This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I um I want to be evil. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watched season four, episode eight of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Pangs. As well as Gilmore Girls, Die Jerk. Both are pretty good. Yep, yeah, both are pretty good. Yep. Not like slam dunks, but pretty good. We got another Firestar review. Nice. Thank you so much to The Real Shotgush Chell. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of good reviews, you've got a show coming up. Oh, yes. It hasn't gotten any reviews yet because it's not out, but um, I hope it does. You could come review it if you're in New York City. It's a show I'm directing. I didn't write it, but it's um, a guy that I used to direct a different thing for, and he asked me to direct his show. He interviewed every woman he ever dated to figure out- Who should direct his show. (laughs) (laughs) He actually interviewed every woman he ever had a crush on to figure out like why they didn't work out, and then he wrote sketches based on their responses, and Mm. he wrote a whole show about it. It's a little autobiographical, but he's- Cast an actor as himself, and uh, yeah, it should be good. It's at the Pit Loft at 5 p.m. on December 4th. If you're in town, come check it out. Uh, I heard Rory's coming to review it. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be great. The people at Yale will hear all about it. Um, yeah, uh, let me know if you're interested, or I'll post about it on social media, maybe, the ticket info. I'm excited. You should. You're a great director. Well, thank you very much. We played the Buffy board game. Mm-hmm. It's the Hasbro Milton Bradley version. They collaborated. I guess so. Um, I played evil. You played good. Mm-hmm. I lost. The master died. I killed him. Poor Spike just got stuck outside between Xander and Buffy when the sun came up. Mm-hmm. He went mm-hmm. poof. That was fun. Yeah, I did get to sire Willow, though, turned her into vampire. Yeah, but then she kind of just hung out in the library and didn't really help. Yeah, you know, she didn't change much. <laughs> she was kind of stuck in her old ways. I still like books. But Buffy uh, had some help from Angel and some dynamite, and she, she really destroyed the master. And Riley showed up. I guess Angel didn't care that Riley was there. Not this time. In this episode, he does. Yeah. I, um, I want to be evil. Okay. Unrelated. In the game, or just... No, I, okay. I just... <laughs> I'm sick of being good. No, I, I'm excited to see what's on the evil side. You were like hiding all your shit. Oh, yeah, Who knows yeah. if you were even telling the truth about your abilities. <laughs> yeah, I just lied until I die. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good strategy on my part. Evil, I feel like is at a disadvantage, but also a lot of it's up to chance because I may or may not be able to use my strongest character every round. It really comes down to dice rolls. Yeah, it's fun. I, I feel like it took me a while to like understand exactly what my goals were, but um, now I understand and I think I would like to play again. Yeah. We didn't film it this time because it would have just been me asking what to do next. <laughs> but soon. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll probably record it this week. We've got some very big wine news, Brian. Big wine news. Today, the day this podcast comes out. Yep. November 30th. That's the date. There's a very special wine deal. It's the last day of the deal. Last day of the deal. Download this. Listen. Order wine. <laughs> if you haven't ordered wine yet from Wink, today's the day to sign up for it because you can get our regular deal, four bottles plus free shipping for twenty ninety five. That's $9 off the normal price. If you've been thinking, I should sign up for Wink, today's the day to do it. Today. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday, it's too late. Just forget everything. You're going to pay regular twenty nine ninety five, which is still a good deal. You're drinking water. <laughs> I know there's some of you that are like, I'm going to do that, and you haven't, but do it tonight, because this is like $5 a bottle of wine, basically. Yeah. It's very cheap. For and good it's wine. not $5 wine. No. But if you don't remember, Wink.com is an online wine company that sends wine right to your door based on a quiz that you take to tell them all about what your mouth likes to drink and eat. And it's like, cool, you'll probably like these wines. And so far, it knows about us. It understands. But yeah, it's a, it's a monthly subscription service, but you can skip a month. You're not under any financial obligation to keep paying for it. And you can cancel it and just take advantage of this very cheap four bottles of wine we're offering you. So yeah, give it a shot if you've been meaning to. We just got some new ones yesterday I'm excited to try. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the episodes now, or do you have, like, any other alcohol news? No, I'm ready to talk about the episodes. Okay, cool. This week we started with Buffy. Stacy, please tell us all about Pangs. This episode is about a bunch of lonely people celebrating Thanksgiving together and killing a bunch of Native Americans? Again. Again. <laughs> it's a it's a Friendsgiving. Yeah. And Spike's there. Yeah. And Angel's there. Kind of. 
Okay, so it opens on a seemingly innocent boy walking around campus. Or like that just general woodsy area that seems to be near campus didn't exist before the season. Buffy somehow knows this guy's a vampire. I don't know why, but he's not happy to see the Slayer. He tells her to go back to where she came from. I'm not sure if this is supposed to like foreshadow what this episode is about. Like, like he's like a native and she's a European telling her to well, leave. Home. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe. I don't know why else he would have said that. Like, she's been here for a couple years. Yeah, it seemed unimportant otherwise. Well, I mean, if this dude's like a hundred years old, it would seem like she's fairly new. Sure. But creeping on all this in the bushes is Angel. If you're not following us on Patreon, you should. Patreon.com slash Easy. Link in the episode description and social media bios. And since the start of season four, we've also been watching the show Angel. We post 20, 30 minute video every week discussing each episode. But the previous episode of Angel ended with Angel's sidekick Doyle having a vision that Buffy was in trouble. So now Angel is back in Sunnydale to keep an eye on Buffy. He's probably just like, my new show really sucks. I'm going to go back to Sunnydale. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good so far. Yeah, I agreed. There have been very few good episodes. The next episode of Angel is good, though. Okay. Cut to the day. Professor Gerhardt of the anthropology department is holding a groundbreaking ceremony for the new cultural center. A few people have gathered to watch this, including Anya, Willow, and Buffy in a cowboy hat. Yeah, what is this outfit she's wearing? I don't know. This is probably the dumbest outfit she's worn in the entire show. They don't address it either. She never wears a hat. Occasionally, they'll throw a hat on Lorelai and we'll be like, okay, I guess she's wearing a hat today. But this is a big choice. This is a cowboy hat. Yeah, maybe the cowboy hat's supposed to be thematic because this is like about like colonists and stuff, but like, I don't know, it's weird. They're throwing some maybe themes up top. We're not <laughs> sure if they're supposed to be. Anya's there because Xander's job of the week is construction worker, and he's going to be the one digging the hole, I guess, and Anya is very excited to watch him dig. She keeps saying how she's thinking about having sex with him right now. And Professor Gerhardt's giving the speech, saying how it's very appropriate that this cultural center project is starting right now, so close to Thanksgiving, because a melting pot of cultures is what Thanksgiving is all about. But Willow disagrees, pointing out that Thanksgiving is actually about one culture wiping out another. And Buffy wants to be supportive of Willow, but also really loves Thanksgiving, apparently. We're finding that out in this episode. And her stupid mom has abandoned her to go have Thanksgiving with Buffy's aunt. So after her speech, the professor starts breaking the ground, digging a little hole with a shovel, which really pisses off Anya, because she's there to watch Xander dig and ripple, as she says. Is this a thing? Do, do ladies like to watch men dig? I've, I've never talked to women about this, um, but this let us know. Is this something that's come up? No, no. I want to point out that the professor would break the ground with the shovel, probably, but then, like, Xander wouldn't dig the hole with a shovel. They're actually going to dig this hole. They would use, like, a machine. Yeah, I mean, I guess depending on how big the hole is, but yeah, you're right. It's going to be big enough to put a building in, so big. Well, Xander's going to do a lot of rippling. (laughs) Or they would have, like, a hundred guys with shovels. This is all because of Anya's request. Yeah. But after the ceremony, Xander does start digging with a shovel. Anya loves it. But Xander immediately falls through the ground into a little, like, room with some tunnels. It's, it's not clear what it is yet. Willow says she overheard some professors saying this must be the old Sunnydale mission, which was covered up by an earthquake. Willow points out that this is, like, similar to what the master was held in. Yeah. An old church. Yeah, which was also, like, a collapse. I don't remember that. So I wasn't super familiar with missions, but I guess it's a California thing, and maybe that's why. They were like communities in the late 1700s where the Spanish tried to convert Native Americans to Catholicism. I see. But I mean, they also like gave them disease, tried to make them change their whole culture, and it was like basically slavery, so not good. Yeah. But Willow's very passionate about Thanksgiving being symbolically bad, but Buffy's distracted by a couple things. Firstly, she senses something outside and that something is Angel creeping around spying on her in the entire episode. Secondly, everyone on campus is abuzz about Thanksgiving, thinking about going home and stuff. And Buffy, despite what Willow thinks, really wants to have Thanksgiving. And since none of the people in the show like their families, she's decided she's going to make Thanksgiving for everyone. It really is convenient that none of these kids' parents seem to care about them at all. Just for the show in general. It's like less to deal with them, like always being out doing stuff in the middle of the night. Right. Giles doesn't seem to have anyone. Yeah, like if Miss Kim was one of these characters' mothers, like they wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Buffy makes a comment too that like everything is different now. I don't know exactly what she means, but to me it reminded me of like being in college and that's like when holidays stopped being as special for me. Yeah. I remember Christmas really like lost a lot of its specialness when I went to college. Because in high school, in grade school, we would like have Christmas pageants and concerts like all month and like, you know, 
reinforcing that Christmas is a big deal. Yeah, like parties in school and school was decorated and just all this like stuff building up to Christmas. Where in college it was like, no, you just have a really stressful month where you're like doing finals and projects and stuff. And then you go home and boom, it's Christmas. Yeah. I mean, going home for Christmas was nice, but then you're an adult and you just have to do life all the time. There's also something about like when you're young and it's like Christmas is like only weighted for your benefit. Like you get a ton of presents. Mm Mm-hmm. And you don't have to buy presents. Or if you do, it's amazing that you bought someone a present. Yeah. But then at some point you're like, no, I got to buy a bunch of presents for people and like wrap them. And there is some fun in that. Yeah, I remember really actually enjoying that once I could afford to buy Christmas presents. There was also always the stress of I can't afford presents in a college salary. Yeah. Uh, by the way, some of our listeners abroad, in the United States, you get a salary for <laughs> going to college. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't <laughs> working a ton in college. I couldn't afford extra Christmas yeah. presents. But anyway, this is about Thanksgiving. I feel like we've missed a ton of Thanksgivings. I feel like Thanksgiving is not as big a deal. Yeah, because they're so close together and we live in New York and our family lives in Wisconsin. We never go home for Thanksgiving because we just go home for Christmas Yeah, to not fly home twice so close together. But we've always found friends to hang out with or places to go. But Spike is also not having a joyous Thanksgiving. He's out wandering around in the cold. It's been who knows how long since he's eaten anyone. It's actually a pretty funny moment where he's looking in a window and like a group of vampires all eating someone together. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, sharing a person. Like he's looking in on a beautiful Thanksgiving meal, like a family gathered around a turkey. Right. <laughs> it's just like three vampires sharing a body. He's on the run from Riley and his friends, who are still not wearing masks in this episode. But they did do some camo face paint this time, even though every other time we've seen these people, they're in masks. Forrest just wants to go home for Thanksgiving and doesn't understand why they're doing this. Spike has an implant that makes him not be able to hurt anybody. But Riley insists that this is what Professor Walsh wants because Spike knows about the initiative, so he's still a threat. That's probably true. Yeah. And he does go tell Buffy about it. We'll get there. Spike is just so desperate that he goes to visit Harmony. And she says that she's been doing a lot of reading and is more in control of her power now. And Her power, just so we're clear, isn't like a supernatural power. <laughs> it's like uh, her power as a woman. Oh, is that what you think she meant? I I think she also just, like, doesn't really know how to be a vampire on her own either. Because, like, she didn't kill Xander. Uh, No, I mean, the way she was speaking, I thought she read a book like The Secret. It kind of read as both to me. (laughs) Because he's, like, going to seduce her, but her self-help books, whatever they are, seem to have worked. Do you think there's a book on how to be a vampire, though? Maybe, like, a scroll? Okay. (laughs) I don't know. It's open to interpretation, I think. Whatever she's been reading seems to have worked because she threatens him with a stake and kicks him out. Anya goes to Xander's apartment to figure out why he isn't digging today. She wanted to watch him dig, and he's not digging. Turns out, he's super sick. So she's going to take care of him. And whether he's delirious or not is up for debate, but he calls her his girlfriend, and she doesn't hate it. A green ghost light emerges from the underground mission and goes to visit Professor Gerhardt. The green light, like, activates this old knife she has on display, bringing to life a Native American, and he slices her throat with the knife. Buffy and Willow go to visit the crime scene, and apparently the professor's body was found with an ear missing. They also notice that the knife is missing. Later, Buffy's at Giles telling him all about what seems to be a fight she had, but she's just describing how crazy the grocery store was. Yeah. Apparently, she's making Thanksgiving at his place, even though she's got a whole damn empty house she could use, which Giles later calls her on and accuses her of not wanting to deal with the cleanup, which I guess is why she's having at his house. Yeah, I don't know that there's actually a good justification for this. I wonder if they just, like, didn't have time to film at the actual Summer's house. I think maybe because they're not using that set that much this season, they just, like, don't always have access to it or something. They've been there a couple times, but I don't know. They're using Giles' house a lot more, so maybe it was just easier. Yeah, maybe. Her and Giles talk about how the knife belonged to the Shumash people, and Buffy's off to get a few more Thanksgiving things. But first she has this weird feeling again, because Angel's there. He's just hiding in Giles' apartment. And as soon as she leaves, Giles is like, well, what do you think? And Angel's like, I mean, she seems fine, kind of weirdly obsessed about Thanksgiving suddenly, but... I was like, yeah, she's she's lonely because you had to go be a big movie star in L.A. or whatever. <laughs> He's like, I meant, what do you think about this, like, murder? Is this the thing your friend had a vision about? He's like, probably. I don't know. Let's just go with that. I can't lurk forever. Got to get back to my detective career. Then Giles is like, how's that going? He's like, well, we're a few episodes in. And it ain't great yet. Uh, Worried we might get canceled and I'll be back here, but that's yeah, okay. I don't know. Doyle isn't that likable, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is how I talk now. <laughs> My L.A. accent. Thank God Cordelia's attractive, but no one will watch the show. I hear it gets better. 
Angel says that too. Anyway, Giles points out that it's not his job to keep her safe. She can take care of herself. Angel's like, yeah, same to you, old man. And Giles is like, touche, touche. But why are you hiding from her exactly? I, Stacy, have the same question. Like, it kind of doesn't make sense. He just says he doesn't want to distract her or her to get hurt or he gets in the way. But, like, seems more difficult this way. Yeah, this seems silly. It doesn't make any sense. Buffy has shown that she can, like, be around Angel and still be an effective fighter. And other times when Doyle's had visions, Angel didn't, like, lurk in the background. He, like, was like, I'm Angel. I'm here to save the day. So it's not like that's going to somehow affect the vision. Yeah, if anything, her knowing there's danger will make her more alert. Right now, she, like, isn't really worried about killing this thing. Yeah. I guess she's also just in Giles' apartment. But that's not safe either. (laughs) We'll get there. Angel's like, cool, cool. I'm going to go spy on her some more. And Giles is like, that's creepy, though. He's like, trust me. I don't like doing it, but I'm still going to. And I guess they're going to contact Father Gabriel, who knows a lot about the history of the area. It seemed unimportant, but... Buffy and Willow are out getting ingredients. Angel pulls Willow aside to tell her how Buffy's in danger. Well, to be clear, he accosts her by covering her mouth. She, like, accuses him of being evil again. He's like, I'm not evil. She wants to catch up, but he's like, shut up. I don't have time for that or care about your Oz problems. (laughs) I'm not evil. Shut up. I mean, kind of. She starts, like, projecting her issues onto his relationship with Buffy, kind of. And he's like, I don't have time for this. Meanwhile, Riley has accosted Buffy with his looming physique. And Angel to Willow is like, who the hell is that guy? It was funny. Buffy's talking to Riley about her grand Thanksgiving plans, and she invites him. And he's like, no, I'm kind of having this super corny Thanksgiving in Iowa with my family. Flirt, flirt, flirt. See you next time. She seems a little flirty this time. Yeah. Previously uninterested. Mm-hmm. When she's done straining her neck at Riley, she goes to visit Father Gabriel, who's just been murdered by the Native American man. We learn his name in this scene. It's Hoos, H-U-S. He says he's an avenging spirit here to carve out justice. And he's pissed because of his people being slaughtered, and rightly so. She tries to fight him. He's pretty hard to fight, and he escapes by turning into a bunch of birds. To be fair, Buffy does do a good job of fighting this guy. I feel like he was not prepared for Buffy to be as good a fighter as she is. Right. But then later she's, like, lamenting that she doesn't know why she couldn't get him. Yeah. Back at Giles' place. But I think it was because she just didn't want to kill him. Yeah. Because of, like, the stuff Willow said. Yeah, Willow's kind of gone into her head. Like, she wasn't quite sure about everything, right? Right. So she's talking to Giles about this. She corrects Giles for using the term Indian, but she did that in the last scene when she was talking to him. But yeah, like we just said, I think she's just conflicted because of what he just said to her and what Willow's been saying. And she's like, is it fucked up to kill this guy? Yeah. Giles is very much on team, let's totally kill this guy. He's here to cause damage. And then Willow shows up with the wrong kind of peas and a whole stack of literature about the atrocities committed against the Shumash Indians. And Willow says Indians. It's weird that the show knows that Native American is the proper term and like makes a point of saying that, but then chooses to have Willow say the wrong one? Yeah, specifically since Willow is supposed to be the progressive one on this issue. And then later Willow corrects someone. Yeah, sort of all over the place. But she also mentions that the Europeans would cut off the ears of the Shumash to prove they were dead, so they deduce that this guy is recreating the atrocities that were done against his people. Giles is like, okay, cool, let's like stop him then. But Willow wants to somehow help him and right the wrong without violence, and Giles is like, how though? We can't just like give him land or apologize. All good points. So they're just like bickering the whole episode, and Buffy's like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to keep Thanksgiving-ing so hard. Meanwhile, a wolf is watching them from the window. Angel. (laughs) Uh, I'm assuming it's Hoos. Yeah, probably. And then Xander and Anya show up. Xander's still very sick. The doctor couldn't figure out what's wrong with him, but they suspect that Hoos is somehow inflicting upon Xander all the diseases inflicted. When you say they, you mean the doctors? (laughs) No. Listen, we don't know what it is, but if I have to give you my medical opinion, it's probably this ghost (laughs) giving you all the the medical maladies of the uh, early settlers. The Scoobies deduce that Hoos is somehow inflicting upon Xander all the diseases inflicted upon his people since Xander was the one that disturbed the mission. Right. So Xander's very much on team let's kill him. And Anya's a little offended that Xander's so quick to want to kill a vengeance demon because she won. To be fair, this is like a vengeance ghost or spirit. Yes. They've never really dealt with a spirit, they say. Anya's pretty funny this episode. She's funny. She is funny. She's like Cordelia, but with zero tact. Yeah. <laughs> like- 
Giles and Willow get into it again. Xander and Anya are getting into it. They're fighting. They're not having sex in front of everyone, but they like would, I think. Very horny people. Well, she can't have sex with Xander because he's got the syphilis right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's got several diseases at once. The doctors don't know, but they've deduced that he may have syphilis, smallpox, and malaria, I think. Meanwhile, Buffy's just taking all of her frustrations out on the whipped cream. Then there's a knock at the door. It's Spike. He wants to be invited in for Thanksgiving. And they're like, what? No. <laughs> Shut up. Go away. He's like, really? No, I, I can't hurt you guys, right, Willow? I tried to bite you and I couldn't. And she confirms. But like, we were a little surprised that she hadn't told her friends about this encounter yet. Yeah, it's insane that she's like, oh, yeah, Spike did try to kill me the other day. Like, she, that would have come up. Especially since he was like notably neutered. Yeah. I just can't imagine not sharing that with your friend. <laughs> They're like, okay, sure. But like, why should we help you still? And then he bribes them to let him in with his info about the initiative. I guess. They don't show him saying anything about it, but we can assume he tells them about it. But they do tie him to a chair for the entirety of the episode. Buffy's kind of decided they should kill this ghost spirit. There's not much else they can really do, but Willow's not budging. And eventually Spike's just like, shut up. That's what conquering nations do. It's ancient history. There's nothing you can do to make him happy, really. This is where Willow corrects him for saying Indians, even though she said it wrong before. But they kind of assume that Hoos is after authority figures. So everyone but Buffy decides to go warn the Dean, including Xander, because Spike comments that he looks like he's about to die and he thinks he can eat someone if they're already dead. (laughs) Buffy's mostly just still concerned about making Thanksgiving perfect. So they all leave. Spike's complaining about being hungry. Buffy tells him he can have gravy because it has blood in it. Does it? I don't really understand the joke. Or I've been doing gravy wrong. I mean, does gravy have blood in it? Isn't it just like stock and flour? Yeah, but what is stock? I feel like this wouldn't be enough blood to satisfy Spike. Yeah, I don't know that they really care either. They kind of talk about what would happen if he doesn't eat. He kind of says he just becomes, like, emaciated. But, like, would he die eventually? If I don't he'd... think so. It probably just really sucks. Yeah. Meanwhile, Hoos is resurrecting a bunch more of his people, and they've all arrived at Giles' house. Buffy very poorly tries to apologize for the sins of their ancestors, and they start shooting arrows through the windows at them. Poor Spike, still tied to the chair, in the line of fire, just keeps getting pelted with arrows. Poor, murderous, psychopath Spike. Well, it hurts, and he's so hungry. He tried to kill Willow an episode ago. But he didn't. He tried to kill his lover, like, three episodes ago. But he didn't. (laughs) You're right. I still like him. And I think you do, too. Things go poorly at the Deans. He doesn't believe them, but they run into Angel outside, Anya's first time meeting him. Xander also accuses him of being evil. He's like, why does everyone keep saying that? Yeah. And he tells them that all the weapons are missing from the cultural center. I didn't mention that, but we did see who's taking them earlier. Angel also points out that because these guys are warriors, their leader isn't the Dean. To them, the leader of any society is the strongest person. So they assume that it wouldn't be this guy who has like a political authority. It's whoever they deem to be the strongest among their enemies, which would be Buffy. So Angel sends them on bikes to save Buffy. Very E.T., Stranger Things vibe. They had mentioned something earlier about cavalry, so it was funny. Angel calls Giles to warn them, even though they're like already there. Buffy's like, who's that? And Giles was like, hey, someone. They can't get to Giles' weapons without getting shot. Buffy does get shot in the arm. They somehow managed to keep bows and arrows, though. I don't know. It seemed like they were all the way across the room. They fight back a little, but they're getting pelted with arrows. Buffy's friends show up just in time to start hitting them with shovels and stuff from the outside. Willow's morals go right out the door. The shoe mash start jumping through the windows. Buffy's fighting them. Buffy gets stabbed in her other arm. And then they realize that they can't kill them. Then Angel arrives, starts fighting them a bit better, at least holding them off so they can go inside and help Buffy. Angel, like, straight up just, like, snaps the neck of one of these dudes, too. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't kill him, obviously, because they can't die, but that was fun. Yeah, Anya's like, what is he like when he is evil? Yeah. Giles is just getting the shit kicked out of him, like his head's being banged against the wall. And then Buffy realizes that Hoos' knife can be used against him. And then he just, like, turns into a bear. A real ass bear. (laughs) Super funny line from Spike. (laughs) You made a bear! Undo it! Buffy fights the bear as well as one can fight a bear. Very trepidatious. What's funny is that they used a real bear that the stunt double had to, like, I'm using air quotes, fight against. But, man, it's funny that they used a real bear. It looked real. Yeah. And then Xander distracts the bear by throwing rolls at it, which Buffy said that they'd forgotten to bring, by the way. But there's rolls now. Maybe Spike brought them. And then Buffy's able to stab the bear while it's distracted. 
He turns back to green mist, as do all the others. And then they have Thanksgiving. Well, first, Angel creeps on Buffy a little bit more through the window, leaving just before she looks out. So they're all eating dinner. It turned out great. They all still kind of feel weird about everything. Willow feels bad about fighting the shoe mesh. They have Spike at the table with them, still tied up, not eating. He says that with this whole siege, you'd think one of them would bled a little, but Buffy did bleed. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that Buffy was going to be like, here, Spike, have some on my arm, but like... Right, right. It's weird that they just forgot that she was bleeding. Buffy sounds sick in this scene, by the way. Her nose sounds like super stuffed up. I didn't notice that the rest of the episode. I think Rory was maybe sick too, because she's dubbed like that entire episode. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Willow says something about this being like old times. Xander's like, yeah, especially with Angel being here and everything. And then from Buffy's perspective, camera angle, they all just kind of like stare at her. Yeah. And it ends in them awkwardly taking that in. That's the episode. So did you think this was a good episode? Uh, yes and no. So I think there was a lot going for it. I think it was funny. Anya's funny. I thought some of the fighting was actually pretty cool. Some of the choreography and the fighting was good. Mm-hmm. But, and it was fun having Spike. But yeah, like, do I don't like know Spike. what the message is of this episode. Because like Willow goes on to say like, yeah, I threw my morals right out the window. She calls them Indians sometimes. They don't have any kind of like nice thing. They, wait. they just kill them. That's just the end. I know. It's not like they kill him and then they have like some time where they're like, oh, I wish we didn't have to do it. I wish it was a different way. Like Willow doesn't try a spell to communicate with them. She talks about trying to find one, but she doesn't. Buffy is so checked out of this like, I got to make a good Thanksgiving. And it's like, we have never had an inkling that you were into Thanksgiving until this episode. Mm-hmm. And like Xander's dying on the couch right now. So like maybe we can put Thanksgiving on hold. Right. All the back and forth with is it okay to kill them or not, to me, felt like probably what the writer's room was. Yes, the writers were like, I don't know, but if we say this, though, it's fine. Yeah, like, is it okay that we're, like, killing a bunch of Native Americans on Thanksgiving? Because that's, like, the conversation in the show. But they maybe just could have done the same episode, but not dealing with Native Americans. Yeah, it just felt a little weird, and I, I I don't know how I feel about it. And it was it just so happens they'd be, like, finding this Native American spirit on Thanksgiving. Okay, what a quinky dink, you know? Right. But, like I said, the fighting was fun. It was a funny episode. It's so much better than every episode of Angel so far. Yes, it's true. So, I, I don't know. Like, I liked a lot of it, but it had some theme issues for sure. Yeah. And it, it's not, like... I'm personally offended that they went that direction. It just felt like they didn't know how to handle it. Exactly. It would be one thing if they made a decision like, this is how we feel, this is how we're portraying it. But like you said, it just felt like the writers were struggling with what they wanted to do and say. Mm -hmm. They're just like, we're not sure if this is politically correct or not. And that's the theme. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess it's something to explore, but they don't explore it enough if they're going to talk about it that way. Yeah. All right. Should we move on? Let's do it. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, please tell us what happened on Charmed. Meanwhile on Charmed Season 4, Episode 8, Black as Coal, Cole's past comes back to haunt him when a widow tracks him down seeking vengeance for her husband's death. Meanwhile, Piper and Leo test their readiness to become parents. Oh, no. Wait, Piper and Leo are going to have a baby? Um, oh, my God. Is it going to be a human or is it going to be dog? Well, I mean, his genes should be human, right? His genes? Like, he was a human. He got turned into a dog, I think? Well, I assume his genes now are dog genes. I don't know how that works. You don't know transmogrification biology? Do you? Yeah, I got my degree in it. Okay. Well, then uh, what's how's it going to go down? It's, you know what? I'm not going to waste my knowledge on this podcast. Okay. Okay? I got paid quite a salary learning this in college. Well, they test their readiness probably by (laughs) borrowing someone's baby and someone's dog. Because they don't know what's going to happen either. No. They're like, we don't know if we're going to have a baby or we're going to have a dog. Maybe we'll have one of each. Yeah. So they get one of each and it goes poorly. Yeah. The dog buries the baby. Mm -hmm. Baby's fine. Baby's fine. Don't freak out. Baby's fine. Baby's fine. They dig up the baby. The baby's fine. But then they send the baby back to its parents. Like, in the car. They don't, like, mail it. They, 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 they baby's did, fine. They baby's did mail fine. it. They baby's fine. It. And the parents were like, this isn't cool. You can't mail a baby. And they're like, well. Maybe we're not ready to be parents to a human baby child. Or a dog baby child. 
I bet they will have a baby at some point, but not in the next episode. I don't know, man. But anyway, that's the B story. We got Cole with his past coming back to haunt him. Yeah, we got this woman. She's like set to kill Cole. She doesn't know that he's all good now. And eventually he like tells her, but she like doesn't care. She's going to kill him anyway. I mean, he sounds like he killed her husband. I bet he, I bet he did. Oh, yeah, he did. Just because you're good now doesn't mean you didn't kill this woman's husband. Yeah, but he had like a full demon soul then. Now he's got a human soul. But he convinces her that he's all good by seemingly conjuring a puppy out of thin air. But yep. he, he really just takes this puppy that they've been babysitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, see, would a bad boy have a puppy for you? And she's like, did you just call yourself a bad boy? No, I, I was a bad boy. Dog is confused because he just keeps hearing bad boy. And he's like, <laughs> what? Am I a bad boy? But he just wants to get out of there. So he goes home with this woman and she's got a replacement for her dead husband. She's happy. It all works out. It's nice. It's it's a funny one because yeah. you know the dog and baby business. Baby's all right. Yeah, they like change the diaper on the dog, and then they like have the baby poop outside. They don't know what they're doing, but it's all right because the baby goes back home, and the dog gets a nice new home. It's safe from Piper and Leo. Yeah, and Cole's still a good boy. Still a good boy. Our cat's probably like, "Who's a good boy?" He's a good boy, but so is Cole. Yeah. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. So then. We, of course, watch Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell our friends about Die Jerk. So this episode is about Rory writing a review in the newspaper and the fallout from that review. So the episode starts on Friday night dinner. Richard is in a super good mood because his business trip to Atlantic City went very well. But Emily is super pissed because she had wanted to do a more traditional, more fancy rich people party. And she had to cancel when Jason explained that he'd already booked everything for Atlantic City. So Emily is not in a good mood about Atlantic City, despite the success. Well, I think Emily's also just pissed because she thought the party was obnoxious, not so much about her thing still. Well, I mean, I agree that she thought the party was obnoxious, but I think it's all tainted by the fact that she is upset that she didn't get to do her thing. Yeah. So while you are right, she talks about how it was just like very not fancy and very like seedy, which was what Jason said he wanted. Mm -hmm. And Richard says like, you know, maybe this wasn't to our taste, but it went really well. So who cares? But like Emily is just I think she would maybe be a little bit more positive if she hadn't had her plans rained on. Yeah. So she's just everything about Atlantic City and everything about Jason is bad as far as she's concerned. Lorelai had a bunch of funny lines in this. Uh, like, specifically at one point, Emily mentioned something about jello shots, and Lorelai's like, Oh, don't talk about you and dad doing jello shots. And then she thinks for a second, she's like, Okay, it's fine. You can do one shot off dad's belly because you are married. <laughs> it's funny. We also find out that Rory has been writing for the Yale paper, and Emily and Richard have loved all of her reviews. However, the next day at the paper, Rory notices that her most recent article wasn't published. And then Jonathan from Buffy shows up. Doyle. Okay, so this is going to be a bunch of interesting and confusing coincidences here. Okay. Danny Strong, the actor who plays Jonathan on Buffy, plays Doyle on Gilmore Girls. And Doyle, which is not, I would say, a common, common name. No. Is also the name of an important character on Angel. Mm -hmm. So it's just like this weird trifecta of like connections. It is confusing. Yeah. Rory, by the way, is like auditioning to be on the paper. She has to like write one type of each article. Yes. To like prove she can. She seemed good at lacrosse writing, but bad at performance art writing. Right. Jonathan, it seems like a typical editor. He's sort of like. Who? (laughs) Uh, Sorry. So Danny Strong seems. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Forgive me. All right. I had to adjust to not call him Doyle before. All right. Okay. So the newspaper editor, Doyle from Angels, says uh, (laughs) he's uh, kind of like a no-nonsense, sort of like fast-paced, New York-style-seeming editor. He's not like a dick, though. No, no, he's not a dick. I think they go out of their way to say that he will tell how it is, but he's not a dick. He's trying to be positive, actually. He seems to want Rory to succeed. Yes. But is like being honest with her. Exactly. He tells her that her review wasn't published because the writing was a quote-unquote yawn, meaning it was boring to read. But he stresses to her, like, it's not a big deal, happens all the time, and she'll do better in the next one. And I, like, totally understand Doyle's position. I was the editor of a high school newspaper and a college newspaper. I don't know. Sometimes you got to tell people, like, yeah, it wasn't good. (laughs) You sent a bad article in. 
later Lorelai and Lane try to badmouth Doyle, but like Rory stresses that he was just like doing his job. So I don't think we're supposed to dislike Doyle. So Rory spends a bunch of time on her next article. She stays up super late at night, drinks a bunch of coffee to make sure it's perfect and get all the details right, make sure the facts are right, which that part was a little confusing. She was like, I made sure all the facts are right. Like, yeah, you need to do that. That Every article, you should make sure all the facts are right. But Doyle is not impressed, and he's not going to publish it. He's like barely reading it. He just starts crossing everything out. There's no way he read it. Yeah, he reads it like super fast, like a speed reader, and just like crosses stuff out and circles stuff. He stresses that it isn't anything personal, and she can tell that she tried but it's it's not going in the paper. It's better than the last one. Yeah, and this is how working on the paper is. And he's right. Like, I've said this before, but people would turn stuff in, and people just find their writing so precious. When you're like, you know, we don't have room for a thousand words. We can cut all these paragraphs that aren't relevant to your actual story. And people are like, oh, you can't cut those. It's like, yes, you, you actually, you can. You mm. don't need them. And also, especially in high school and in college, a lot of people think they're better writers than they are. But I, I do think that Roy's probably a very good writer. Doyle's complaint about Rory's most recent article is that she didn't put enough opinion into the article. He couldn't tell what her thoughts were. I'm confused because isn't journalism facts and not opinions? Well, she's writing reviews. In this case, yeah. She had been writing other stuff. Right. Well, I think, And he published her other stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's being hard on her, but he's also being supportive. But his parting words to her were, don't worry. You'll either get it or you won't. <laughs> Just make sure this one's good. So now Rory is having some major imposter syndrome. She's worried that maybe she isn't a good writer and maybe she peaked in high school. But her next assignment is to review a ballet. So she takes her mother and they get fancy reserved middle seats. And it becomes clear quickly that this ballet is not going well and the lead ballerina is having a rough night. The audience concurs. It seems very bad. Like she's falling. Yeah, she's slipping. She like accidentally kicked her dance partner in the nuts. She maybe doesn't fit in her outfit. Yeah. Lorelai's <laughs> like she's got like a fat roll on her bra. She doesn't have any friends in the cast or someone would have told her. They're um they're fat shamey people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then the next day, she gives her article to Doyle, and he loves it. He sends it to print immediately. But there's more. We'll get to that. We'll get, there's more. Meanwhile, Lorelai and Suki and Michelle are having a business meeting at Suki's. But Suki makes Michelle wait outside on the porch because he sneezed five days ago, and she doesn't want her baby getting COVID. (laughs) It's a weird timeline. (laughs) Yeah. So he's just sitting on the porch and just like kind of yells his input while he deals with what I'm guessing are grasshoppers outside. Green (laughs) things with wings. I feel like all of Michelle's dialogue outside is pretty funny. Yeah. Bruce, Sugi's tough as nails, always serious, doula, and lactation specialist, just like bursts in at some point and scolds the women for talking baby talk to the baby, saying that the baby needs to wire its brain to learn how to speak and baby talk only hinders its progression. It's pretty funny because Lorelai sees Bruce and is like, I wanted to tell you how impressed I was by you at the home birth. It was amazing to watch and very special. And then Bruce just yells at her like, did you talk baby talk to the baby? I have been thinking about Suki's baby and some mistakes that this show has made regarding Suki's baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would like to point those out at this time. Jackson specifically didn't want to know the sex of the baby because he had this fantasy about not being in the delivery room and them coming out to tell him if his baby was a boy or a girl. But then they decided to have a home birth, eliminating the delivery room. Like, there's no way he wasn't in the room for the baby being born. Right. It just seems weird that they, like, made a big point of that and then threw it away. But also, Rory was on Team Jackson and agreed to not find out if it was a boy or a girl. But, like, a couple episodes ago, the one where Lorelai, like, snaps at Rory and Sugi for being babies yeah. about their problems. That's the one with the study tree. Yes. Lorelai says, Sugi, stop talking about this fancy car. Little Davy's going to be fine. Spoiling for Rory that it would be a boy. Well, she didn't have her button on then. <laughs> I guess so. Just saying. Just saying some things I've been thinking about. Later, Lorelai goes to Luke's and runs into Nicole. Last episode, if you remember, Nicole convinced Luke that they should put their divorce on hold and start dating again and see if things work out. So apparently they are. Lorelai immediately, and I mean immediately, goes into full awkward Lorelai mode. She just like keeps talking, just like verbal diarrhea, digging a hole the more and more she speaks. It's funny, Nicole's like, Luke's in the back, do you want him? And Lorelai's like, no, I don't want him, I don't want him. (laughs) Lorelai 
is just the worst in situations with Nicole. Remember that scene at the end when she's like turning it over? We remember. It's just so awful and like hard to watch. Same with this scene. It's almost like you think Nicole would be like, can you just be a normal person for like a second? It's weird because they really haven't directly addressed that Luke and Lorelai have romantic potential in a long time. Yes, agreed. I mean, they want us to to know that it's there. But like they just had that episode where they basically had a date at her house, but it wasn't flirty at all. Yeah, totally. I guess the only thing I could say is that Lorelai does know that Nicole doesn't love her. Yeah. Because Luke mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So that's the only thing that I would I would say in the defense of the writing. Lorelai just like gets worse and worse and worse, just like doesn't know what to say, acting super weird. So finally she just says, like, you know what? I just remembered that I just ate, and she just leaves. You know she's uncomfortable. She's leaving without eating. Later she comes back and confronts Luke about it. Really gives him kind of like a hard time and demands to know what his plans are for some reason. Yeah, she's like, Why didn't you tell me about it? What are you gonna do with your taxes? Yeah, are you guys moving in together? I mean, it's sort of like, yeah, maybe it's weird that Luke didn't mention this, but like Luke doesn't have to share every single thing with you. We also don't know how much time has passed. Like maybe it was only a day or two. Yeah. If it was like a month, maybe it's weird he didn't mention it. Yeah, she doesn't know how long they've been redating, but also like Luke isn't super forthcoming with everything about himself. Yeah. Like he didn't mention that he got a divorce until she like pried it out of him. Right. So for her to be like mad that he didn't mention it is sort of like, I guess I get it a little bit, but like she's really giving him quite a hard time. Really, I think we're supposed to infer that she likes or is in love with Luke and like doesn't love that Nicole's back in the picture. Yeah. But she's being pretty irrational. It's also like super busy and she's just like following him around the restaurant making a scene. Yeah, really making a scene. She also ends up leaving without eating once again. So you know she's upset. She said she was hungry this time. Yeah, and she just makes sure she insults Luke's new coffee pots. <laughs> but on the same token, like she mentions later in the episode that like anybody that's in his life is going to be in her life too. So he should tell her. Yeah, she kind of says that to him in the diner too. She's just kind of grasping at straws for, like, why he should have told her. Yeah. But also, like, if the real issue is that, you know, she just feels awkward around Nicole because Nicole doesn't like her, then extend a fucking olive branch. Like, try to do something nice for Nicole. Try to meet Nicole, you know? Yeah. She was awkward around Rachel, and they had a bit of a relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's clear that Lorelai deeply, in some level, wants Luke and can't deal with the fact that she doesn't get to have him in this friend zone glass jar. I do feel like I've been in the situation, though, where, like, I have an ex who's, like, now wife never liked me. And I think it was because I was basically the only person he'd ever dated besides her. I had no interest in being with him anymore. I was just like, go for it. Be together. But I was like, I, I would be friends with this guy, but I, I can't because right. this woman hates me so much. So I just, you know, lost that person completely, which is whatever. I'm not upset about it at all anymore. But, like, I guess if that is the reason, I can see why Lorelai's like, well, I'm going to lose Luke because she's not going to let me be friends with him. Yeah. So we've got Rory's storyline of the newspaper. We've got the Lorelai's mad at Luke, I guess, storyline. But also a very small storyline in this episode is uh, what's happening with Lane and her mom. At the Kim household, an older man is buying a vase. And when Miss Kim says, you know, this is fragile, keep it away from young children, he says, oh, I don't have any children. And then she's like, well, you should. Everyone should have kids. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, okay. You have one kid, Mrs. Kim. It's pretty funny. Mrs. Kim gives Lane a jug and tells her to mail it to Dave in California and just sort of like walks away. She says that he's a good boy and he's going to be a good man. And Lane's like excited about that. But when she notices it's a jug and not just any jug, it's her marriage jug, she starts to freak out. You know, your marriage jug. Right, your marriage jug. I guess when Lane was a baby, Mrs. Kim explained to her that this is their marriage jug and it's passed down through the generations to be presented to whatever boy she's going to marry. Lane and Dave actually have, like, an off-screen fight about this marriage jug because he doesn't want it because he's, like, in college, and that's, like, a pretty big commitment to get a marriage jug. Yeah, Lane, like, calls him to warn him that she has been told to send it. She doesn't actually want to send it. Yeah. Roy tells Lane that they should put off marriage, as she's seen enough young people get married recently. Talking about Dean, obviously. When Lane confronts her mother about all this and says she can't send Dave the marriage jug because they're just both too young and, like, maybe one day she can, but they're not ready to, Mrs. Kim is like, what the hell are you talking about? 
Well, first off, she just takes the jug. She's like, okay, and then takes the jug and puts it on a clearance like rack. Yeah. And she's like, you're gonna sell my sell my marriage jug. And Mrs. Kim's like, what is a marriage jug? What are you talking about? We find out that this is just like a made up story. Mrs. Kim told her daughter when she was like a little baby, crying about something to get her to stop crying. She doesn't even remember doing it. She she does say like, I guess we could make it your marriage jug, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have to say, I think that the actress that plays Mrs. Kim is pretty great. Yeah. Like, we're not supposed to love Mrs. Kim's character all the time, but I feel like the actress, like, nails what we're supposed to get from her every time. Yeah, she gets a ton of comedy. She also, there's also some funny vegan stuff here where she's like, she burnt her gluten patties, so they're having spaghetti and wheat balls. (laughs) But then she burns her wheat balls. But later at Yale, Rory comes back to her dorm to see the words Die Jerk written on her door message board in permanent marker. That's the name of the episode. Permanent marker. Permanent marker. Paris, like, immediately opens the door and tells her to get inside because the roommates are assembling to take action. <laughs> Rory's on the phone with Lane. She's like, we got to go. We're assembling. Yeah, I love that line. So it's Paris, Rory, Iron Man, Captain America. Paris is pretty funny in this episode. Yeah, 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 totally. Because they're, like, going over their list of, like, possible enemies. And Paris is like, all right, I've got 25 and I've whittled it down to five. And they're like, is that just, like, at Yale? She's like, no, that's in this building. <laughs> But she says her five are taken care of. Yeah, she's like, there's some plan in motion to take care of these five. Never explained what it is. Sounds like she's going to kill them. Yeah, I know. Like, she's going to have them assassinated or drop a bomb on them or something. She keeps being like, we got to strike first before they strike back. Apparently Janet has an enemy because she kissed somebody on her volleyball team's boyfriend. Yeah. That's a no-no. He probably just, like, got in her way while she was exercising and couldn't stop herself. Perhaps. But Rory and Tana basically agree they don't have any enemies and they just watch TV. But one of them's wrong. Tana has a bunch. (laughs) (laughs) But we find out that Rory's a reason for the sign, though. At lunch, a few people approach Rory to warn her that someone's looking for her. And that person is the lead ballerina from the ballet, Sandra. Did you suspect it was the ballerina? Yeah, absolutely. I assumed 100% that's who it was. Like when the sign happened? Okay. She's real pissed and confronts Rory just like right there publicly at the lunch table. She's like really mad about the article. She's like, you said I had the grace of a drunken dock worker. And apparently Rory also compared her unfavorably to a hippo in the article as well. It sounds pretty mean. Yeah, as the episode goes on, it just sounds more and more mean. Rory channels her mother's inner awkward mode and just starts, like, digging a hole, trying to talk her way out of this. She, like, says all kinds of stuff that just, like, puts her foot right back in her mouth. She's like, well, yeah, well, you know, most people left before the end, and I stuck it out, so that should tell you something. Or, like, I don't think anybody read it. I don't think that many people are actually interested in ballet. Don't worry about it. I'm torn because, like, it's not like Rory made it seem worse than it was. We know from the way the audience was reacting that it was terrible. So either this girl's just not good or she had a super off night. If she did just have an off night, then like maybe it is unfair of Rory to like not go see it again or something. Well, yeah, I want to say this. Sandra goes on to say, like, how do you know anything about ballet? I've been practicing ballet for hours every day since I was 14. And I'm on the waiting list for Juilliard. Which makes me wonder, like, okay, so she didn't say I had a bad night or, like, my knee was broken or, you know, I went out there with the flu and I still performed. She doesn't say anything to suggest that that was an anomaly. Mm -hmm. She does say, like, I practice a lot. But... What are we supposed to believe? I think she sucks. Yeah, she might just be not good and needed to be told this. Right. And like, yeah, it's sad. Be like, I've dedicated my whole life to this. Well, that doesn't mean you're good at it. Maybe you need to dedicate it to something else. It's kind of what's happening to Rory. Like, she thinks she's good at this and she's being told she's not. Well, I mean, Rory is good at it, though, I think. Right. But she wasn't good at it until Doyle told her to do it better. Yeah, I don't I don't know that these are actually comparable. I feel like Doyle's sort of just like, yeah, you're learning the ropes, you'll get better. But this woman's been practicing since she was 14. I don't think she's going to get better. Well, maybe. I guess she's getting constructive criticism, but Doyle was super positive in his criticism to Rory. Yeah. And Rory's criticism was very public and not at all supportive to Sandra. Later, Richard says, like, sometimes people don't know at a young age that they're not good at what they're doing. So it's, like, good that you told her. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm torn because I do think that Rory, like, was super mean but in the same token like if it was that bad she needs to be told honestly i feel like rory may have gone too far in the article specifically about some appearance stuff that's in there yeah but i mean that's sort of the nature of reviews i don't know yeah i'm not really sure not being a journalist this did seem like a bit much but like doyle's telling us it's good and her grandparents seem to think it's good yeah and like you said richard says like yeah that's what has to happen now this woman will go to business school or something yeah that's interesting anyway 
And then Paris calls off the strike. Yeah, Paris shows up and is like, so the die jerk was about you? And she's like, yeah. And then she just gets in her phone and she's like, stand down, stand down. <laughs> so someone was going to die and then they are alive. So now it's Friday night dinner. Jason is there setting up a Wi-Fi network for Richard. He's Ooh. like a kid in a candy store in this scene. He's so excited to be moving and on his computer. You and I had to pause and try to remember when Wi-Fi became a thing. Yeah, I can't imagine living without Wi-Fi now. Because it was like... Is Richard being like a total boomer right now and is just fascinated by new technology? Or was this just like when Wi-Fi came out and they were some of the first people to get it? Right. They spent a lot of time this episode like marveling at the internet. Yeah. So this might have been about when it started being a thing. Right. It's hard to say. Now it seems like he's just an old man. But you're right. In the time, it might not have felt that way. My college dorm did not have Wi-Fi. And that was like a year or two after this. When did this come out? This is late 2003. Yeah, I mean, this might have been pretty early for Wi-Fi. Yeah. My campus had Wi-Fi, but the dorm I was in did not. We had to plug our laptops into Ethernet. But, like, if you went to class, you could be on your laptop. There's a funny part where Richard's, like, in a corner, like, under a fern by the stairs. And he's like, well, it doesn't work here. And it's like, well, oops, throw it away then. <laughs> Emily's like, when would you ever use it in that corner? But there's a desk in that corner. But then he goes outside. It works out there. Yeah. It's also a funny part where Emily's super offended when Richard says he's going to try to Google her. <laughs> Jason's like, it's a search engine, Emily. Lorelai shows up. Uh, I like her outfit a lot in this scene. And Jason has been sending Lorelai tons and tons of flowers, I guess, which should work when you're trying to court her, right? That's how Max got her to agree to marry him in season one. Yeah. Maybe Jason just needs to send about 1,000 flowers. He could try it. Jason is just like unabashedly and very persistently and aggressively like romantically pursuing Lorelai. Lorelai's parents like don't pick up on any of this, which is sort of like a fun thing that they're like sort of openly but secretly flirting, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things about their flirtation is like Emily's feelings towards him. He points out that he seems to think that the more Emily doesn't like him, the more Lorelai is interested in him. And Lorelai likes that her hate for him is distracting from Emily's hate for her. Yeah. But he's got to find some kind of fine line because this is his business partner's wife. But they make this bet about how he bets he could get invited to dinner. And she's like, no way you're going to get invited to dinner. Rory shows up and calls him Scooper. And Lorelai's like, Digger. And he's like, actually, it's Jason. She's like, oh, you don't go by like P. Digger? (laughs) Like P. Diddy, right? Right. You explain that to me because I did not get the reference. Yeah. Jason like sort of sticks around until right before dinner. Emily's even like, oh, Jason, you're still here. And then Jason announces to everybody that he's taking off. And he's excited because he's got a cheeseburger waiting for him. Richard's like, a cheeseburger isn't a proper meal. You'd think Emily would agree. Yeah, Emily's all like, cheeseburgers are fine with the right meat and bread. And then I love this scene because like Richard's like, Emily, you're defending cheeseburgers? He's like, I'm eating it at like a cheeseburger stand. And Richard's just like, a stand? My business partner's going to eat a cheeseburger at a stand? Emily. So Emily's like reluctantly like, would you like to stay for dinner? She's trying to like play this whole thing like, I don't know if we have enough food, which is like, you have so much food always. Yeah. And even later, she's like, if we don't have enough food, Richard, I can ration. So Emily, you know, reluctantly invites him to have dinner. Lorelai's impressed by all of this. She even like points out to Rory like, look what he's doing. He throughout dinner then tries to like lower the temperature between him and Emily a little bit. He constantly agrees with whatever she says and says that she's right about stuff, has good ideas. He even starts asking her about places to eat, her opinions on restaurants so he can take clients. I think she does start to warm up to him a little bit when he starts, like, mining her for expertise and, like, giving her praise on her thoughts. Uh, Eventually, he asks for, like, a romantic place to eat, and Richard's like, romantic? And he's like, you know, if I need to tell my business partner somewhere to take their wife. Richard's all like, my business partner's so clever. Really, he's trying to figure out somewhere to take Lorelai. Yeah, every he's asking Emily is directed at Lorelai to see where she wants to go. Yeah. Emily does warm up to him. Although I have to say, like, I feel like her disdain for him is totally unwarranted. Like, I get that he had to cancel her launch party. But, like, it was clear it was not his fault that he had no idea about this launch party at all. He had already planned the stuff for Atlantic City. And he apologized to her for it. So she doesn't really have a reason to hate Digger. She was upset about them going into business together because she didn't like when she found out. That's true. That he was doing it to like spite his dad. That's fair. Still, I feel like she sort of just hates him because she decided she did. There's a bunch of funny stuff in here. Like Lorelai mentions that Christopher also went to camp with Jason. She's like, I'm pretty sure he hated you. And Emily like is giddy to hear that. Yeah. 
when he's asking for restaurant recommendations, someone's like, yeah, Emily, you've been everywhere. And then Richard says, like, multiple times. <laughs> just so, like, weirdly flirty. And then also when she suggests a romantic place, Richard kind of describes the place that she recommends. It's like, yeah, it's very dark, very atmosphere. Like, it just, it sounds so <laughs> They sex- fucked. They fucked while they were eating. Yeah. And then he asks Emily if he can call her to continue this conversation. But he's really asking Lorelai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Emma's like, yeah, of course you can call me. Also, Jason is sitting stupidly close to Rory. So close to Rory. Instead of sliding Rory closer to Richard, they have left Rory's chair exactly where it always is and just given Jason a little baby chair to sit between Emily and Rory. I I don't know why they didn't space them out. The only thing I can think of, and I don't think this was it, was that Emily was like, I'm going to make it seem like this is uncomfortable. But then put him next to Lorelai. It's weird that him and Rory are, like, touching arms, basically. Yeah, I know. It's a huge table. Super weird. Unless it was for, like, camera angles or something, but I don't think so. Yeah. Also, and I think this is sort of important. We should maybe address this now. Cheeseburgers are fucking great. Yeah. Okay? Cheap cheeseburgers, expensive cheeseburgers, impossible burger cheeseburgers, they're all great. And honestly, I'd pick a cheeseburger over a lot of the different things I've seen them eat at Friday night dinner, okay? Cheeseburgers are a fine meal. So is Thai food. Yeah. They don't like Thai food. Thai food is, we get Thai food like every week. Not every week. Every two weeks. (laughs) Yeah. It's a go-to. Yeah. We love Thai food. Also, so is Indian food. I'm sorry, Amy Sherman Palladino. I know you don't like these things. They weren't in Lord of the Rings, but they're good. (laughs) If Lord of the Rings or The Matrix had one cheeseburger in it, they probably do. (laughs) They definitely talk about food a lot in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Also, when Rory shows up, she brings a copy of her article to give to her mother to read. And her mother wants to read it. She's excited to read it. But her mother is also like, ooh, this is like maybe super harsh. There's even a funny part where she's like, do I see the word hippo coming up? (laughs) (laughs) It's everyone's favorite part. Yeah, everyone's favorite part. Richard and Emily love the article. Richard especially loved the reference to the hippo. But I think Lorelai's reading is sort of maybe the one we're supposed to think is the the best one. I don't know. Actually, Lorelai is sort of like waffles. Like, well, if you said that's what you're supposed to do, that's what you're supposed to do. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what matters is Doyle's opinion. And he thought it was right. Right, but Doyle can be a character who's wrong. So, yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like comparing anyone to a hippo, especially a woman who's supposed to be acting graceful, is uh, not going to be great. I feel like pointing out her weight is unnecessary. Yeah, Rory goes on to defend that by saying like, oh, I was the customer fucked up. But it's like, it's still not going to feel good for the woman whose weight you're commenting on. Right. I could, like, send her into, like, an eating disorder. Absolutely. So with all this new feedback, Rory goes back to the newspaper, and it sort of asks Doyle if she can, like, redo the review of the ballet. But Doyle's all like, yeah, that's not a thing anybody ever does. We're definitely not going to do that. Also, it closed down because of your review. (laughs) Yeah, it closed it down. By the way, I want to point out that Emily and Richard said they were going to go to the ballet. I'm confused about this ballet. Was it just, like, a public anyone could go? I guess so. I figured it was part of Yale. I guess they're alums, so they would go. I mean, when I was in high school and we did plays, anyone could buy tickets, the public. Yeah. I mean, I am an alum, but I'm not the kind of alum that gives a shit and would go back to anything. Rory says something about wanting to, like, rewrite a, like, nice piece about the ballerina. Yeah. She says something about, like, she's just, you know, going through life dancing as fast as she can or something. Mm -hmm. Lauren Graham's book is called Talking As Fast As I Can. Oh. That's Lorelai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just interesting. But Doyle's like, no, we're not going to do a retraction. We're not going to do a new article. But he could tell what happened. He's like, you're upset because someone didn't uh, handle it very well. We heard about confrontation. But that's just like part of working for a newspaper. He's like, you either need to grow up a little bit, have tougher skin, or you need to quit the paper. So he's like, I'm not going to quit. I can do it. He's like, cool. And he hands her her next assignment. It's a play to review. It's like a music thing. Yeah, it's like a musical, I guess. I don't know. She just calls it like a music thing. Well, when she goes to the theater, Lorelai calls her and complains about how they can't go to Luke's for a little while because she just had a fight with Luke about Nicole. Rory points out that Lorelai's kind of coming across like a stalker. And, you know, if she thinks Luke needs to tell her everything, is she going to tell Luke everything? Like, about her flirtations with Jason? Mm -hmm. And Lorelai sort of asks, like, what are we talking about? But would it be crazy if I dated Jason? Rory's like, yeah, it'd be crazy. We'd be fine. Then the episode closes with the musical starting, and it's clear there's going to be some um, unflattering animal comparisons in this review. <laughs> it is weird. They're singing Michael Row Your Boat Ashore, but it's just like this kind of off-key brother-sister duo. <laughs> you could just tell she's like, uh, I can't help myself. This review's going to be me. Hippo, hippo! Also, side note, real quick, it's a little weird because she mentions the hippo in the article, okay? 
When Rory turns in one of her first articles to Doyle that he rejects, he mentions a show called The New Zoo Review and mentions a hippo character in it. So it's almost like he implanted that idea for Rory to put it in her article. Hmm. I know that seems weird, but like a hippo's not an animal you mention a lot. It's just like a weird thing that they would mention that and then later hippo being a big part of her article. There's also a thing where Lorelai's trying to remember who they're mad at. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's like, I know we're mad at someone. And they never pay that off, which is kind of weird. I was like waiting for them to be like, oh, yeah, we're mad at the troubadour or whatever. Yeah, you'd think they would pay that off. At the end, she could be like, that's it. We're mad at Luke. That's who we're mad at. Yeah. So, Stacey, given everything we just talked about, do you think this is a good episode of Gilmore Girls? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I was entertained. I, I thought the whole Jason sequence was fantastic. Yeah. That was all very funny. It was kind of cool the way it was like a like a double goal. Mm-hmm. And I liked his little sort of dare with Lorelai that he could stay for dinner. Yeah. I didn't care that much about Rory's thing. I, I thought her article was just kind of mean, but I mean, maybe that's fine. The Paris stuff was funny though. Like, And I liked the introduction of Doyle. I, I think a lot of stuff attached to Rory's story was very entertaining. I liked the roommate meeting. But I, I don't know. I, I was kind of sick of hearing about her article and her desire to be better at writing it. Yeah. I didn't care about any of that stuff, really. And the Lorelai stuff with Luke was a little much. Yeah. That was a little too crazy of behavior. I feel like Alexis, actress who plays uh, Rory, mm-hmm. does a really good job of being awkward. I feel like she plays awkward really well. Yeah. But I feel like Lorelai, the woman, the actress who wrote the book, um, yeah, she is not as good at playing awkward, I feel like. Like, because the scenes where she, and, and in part of it's probably the writing, like, Luke is a girlfriend, act insane. Like, I don't know, sort of. Yeah, I mean, what else can you do? Yeah. You, you need to yell at this man in a diner. You can't not do the lines. Right, right, totally. Um, But I, I enjoyed it for the most part. It's probably not like a standout, super memorable episode of Gilmore Girls, but I, I liked a lot of stuff that we saw. I liked the newspaper stuff, but that's because I was on a newspaper for a while. So yeah. I was like, ooh, let's do more of this. And you, you liked that. So mm-hmm. did you like the episode? Yeah, I did. I, my biggest complaints were just the Lorelai thing was a little silly. But Rory sort of calls her out on that later. But the Friday night dinner stuff was all funny. Like you said, it was all good. Yeah, Emily and Richard were very funny throughout. Mm-hmm. So which episode do you think was better? I think I think Buffy was better. It's tough. It, it is tough. I'm I'm... I really don't know. You know what? I'm changing. I'm going to go Gilmore. I'm going Gilmore. Just because the writers on Buffy couldn't nail down what they were trying to say or do. So I'm going to go with Gilmore. I really love Spike's line, you made a bear, you made a bear, undo it. But Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go Gilmore too. I don't know. I feel like there's more about Gilmore that I, I didn't like in some ways. Mm-hmm. But kind of the thing that I didn't like about Buffy was like the entirety of it. You know what I mean? Sure. Not it, not every second. That's not what you're saying. Right, right. Like, There's so much good about it. There was a, a lot, whole. a lot of funny stuff. It was fun to have Angel there. But like the things I didn't like about it were like integral to the episode. Mm-hmm. Like the entire reason the thing they were fighting was there, and whether or not they should be fighting it. Yeah. And the whole like reason for Angel hiding why he was there felt kind of flimsy. But yeah, Spike was funny, and Anya was funny. I think Anya's super funny. Buffy's desire to have Thanksgiving was a little random. And yeah, while I didn't love Lorelai's behavior, I, I really liked a lot of the other people's behavior. Yeah. That Michelle scene was funny, Richard and Emily were funny. Mm-hmm. I do really like Jason. I feel like people don't, but I'm very entertained by him. I really don't know how I feel about him. I feel like he's funny because he's quick, but I do feel like his like super confidence in himself is a turnoff. Yeah, I mean, maybe as a person we shouldn't like him, but I like him as a character on the show. Oh, sure. And I don't know how we're supposed to feel about him, because I feel like there's going to be more to him than we see. I feel like he's smart and might make some business decisions that aren't the best for everyone, but like maybe are the best for him. I don't know that that's true. That's like a guess. But I feel like he's going to do something that's going to be not great. Like fuck Richard over or something? I don't know if he's going to fuck Richard over, but like maybe. I guess we'll have to see, won't we? Yeah. Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 4, Episode 9, Ted Koppel's Big Night Out. Is this about Doyle? Um, I don't think so. Okay. As well as Buff the Vampire Slayer Season 4, Episode 9, Something Blue. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Are girls into digging? Are you into Digger? Do you like Digger being so aggressive? Is that cool or is that not cool? Two opinions. If you love it, let me know. When did Wi-Fi happen? Has your penis ever got diseases from a Shumash tribe? Wow. 
I really doubt it. You never know. Do holidays still have magic for you? Do you think the article was too mean? Or do you side more with Richard? Do you think the ballerina was actually bad? Do you think they set up the scenes with Doyle to make him seem taller? Because Rory's always sitting in like on a very low seat and he's like sitting on a desk. Hmm. Can you hear our super? Do the recycling. Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. And for more bonus content, you can subscribe to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Stacy, where we post weekly video reviews of the show Angel, host monthly live stream watch parties, and share other bonus content. And shout out to all of our new Patreon subscribers, Allison, Lisa, Jamie Anderson, and Crystal Kern. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That sounded kind of condescending. That's not what I was going thank for at all. Thank you so much. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> I was trying to be sincere. That's not how it came out. If you want to support our podcast, you can do so by subscribing to our aforementioned Patreon or by taking advantage of our wine partnership with Wink.com or by making a one-time donation. All those options are linked in the episode description and in our social media bios. You can also support us by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing your feedback, and it really helps get our podcast discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans. And if you leave a review, we'll give you a shout-out on our upcoming podcast. For even more comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y, Stacy with an EY. That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style to our podcast. For all this and more, please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If social media is not your thing, you can send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. I guess we're going to do laundry now? I was actually going to go outside and dig. Oh. Okay. Um, so. Either way. We're going to have watching. to be doing laundry. Because <laughs> we'll get it dirty. Yeah, because um, whenever I, I dig, I also shit my pants. So What is this bit? There's so many directions it's gone in. We don't know where the bit's going to be. We don't, don't know. Guys, we don't know how to thank end Thank you so much. <laughs> we don't. We don't. Know how to end no, these. No, thank you. Bye. Thanksgiving. Bye.